Where is InsureTech headed next? This is where indie agents own the answer. Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast. Let's go. Guys, welcome back to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast, where we talk all things InsureTech as led by the independent agent. And today, a very special agent on board, somebody who is, I would say, whatever is past the bleeding edge, like the bleeding edge of the bleeding edge, is Mariah Gates, a, the owner of Gates Insurance. And I, <laughs> we're going to get into chat GBT. I know you know we're going to talk about it because you saw the title and you clicked within two seconds and said, that's the episode that I want to listen to. So don't worry, we will get there. But first, I want you to hear Mariah's story how she got into the insurance industry, some of the challenges that she's weathered, and ultimately why that's led her into experimenting with technology, including ChatGBT. So with that, the one and only Mariah Gates, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. This is my, like I told you, this is my first podcast, so I'm really excited. Yes, yes, all right. So there's no like podcast bad habits yet formed. You're like a just fresh meat. This is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. I'm going to form all my podcast bad habits with you. That's what I'm going to (laughs) do. We'll see what happens, I guess. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, pre-insurance, your your story. Like, at least I'm assuming. I, I guess I shouldn't assume that you 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 didn't start with insurance um but we're, we're... i was pretty much born with an insurance license now that's not that's not quite what happened but, okay um yeah close uh, so no before insurance i actually spent about uh, nine years in uh, retail banking so i worked for wells fargo and i was uh, with jp morgan chase and my last role with them i was a branch manager and um that led me to realize that the corporate environment really wasn't for me and i'd much rather be calling my own shots and Mm. that's when i kind of started looking at other opportunities and was recruited um, into farmers insurance as i think most people are i don't think most of us like you know we're five and we're like i'm gonna grow up and be an insurance agent so we we find our way there Uh, but it aligned with my skill set in leadership and working in the financial sector and sales and customer service and uh, loved the model that they presented to me. Uh, it was very, it was very, uh, very hard in the beginning. It's very difficult to get started. I started as a scratch agent, uh, but that's what I did before insurance was the the banking industry, um, leadership there, customer service, sales, that kind of stuff. So, what was it like going from that? That that's a <laughs> that's that's a stark contrast. Going from you know, okay, I've I've got a salary. I'm in corporate. I know what my day-to-day looks like. I can see my week, my month, my year, my five years too. And now I'm probably measuring the cost of pens and I don't know what is coming in this month. And I don't really know what's gonna happen at the end of the year. What was that like? Um, it, for me, it was actually really exciting. Uh, my like my childhood, my, my parents um, really, craved and needed like the security and the, the no right they had kind of the same jobs for like 30 years and provided a lot of stability for our family 
but I, for some reason, like I didn't latch on to like the the need for the stability. I kind of went the other direction and I'm very, very comfortable with risk and um, betting on myself. So in every position, everything I had done, I was able to kind of work my way up very quickly. So I just took that um, experience and was confident in running with it. And it was very, very different. Um, it was about a six month process. And I, you know, I'm very lucky that I have a wonderful husband who believes in me. And I remember at one point we had the discussion, you know, gosh, what if this doesn't work out? You know, I started scratch, so I had no customers. I didn't buy an agency. We had no idea what we were going to make. And I remember at one point he was like, well, you know, worst case scenario, just file bankruptcy and we start over. That's okay. So he was completely okay with this could not turn out well. And that gave me the confidence to just not worry about that and just move forward and, and lots of, you know, long hours, late nights, you know, to sell insurance, like on a Sunday night at 10 o'clock at night, if someone would give me their time. I mean, that's what you do when you're scratched in the beginning, you yeah. literally scratch and claw to, <laughs> to get there. So, man, that's, that's an hard. incredible story. What, when you look back, how long did it take you to get to that spot where you said, okay, I'm not, I'm not a scratch agent anymore. You know, I've, I've kind of maybe crossed that mantle and I'm, I'm on the other side. Doesn't mean that you're not taking risk. Doesn't mean that you're not an entrepreneur, not a business owner, you know, just, just not in that survival mode anymore. Yeah, it really probably was in my third year. Um, I was starting to feel really good. I hired my first staff member kind of in the middle of my second year to take some of the work off me. And then um, I was approached by the company. Actually, they had an agency that needed to be taken over. Um, so I was given an opportunity to step into an existing book of business and take that over. Um, it was difficult because it, it was like a big decision to decide to take it on because that agency had been turned over twice, like in the last year with different agents. So the clients were not super happy about that. So it was a big challenge, but I went from you know just myself and my small agency to a much larger agency hiring, you know, three staff members and running that kind of in the matter of about a three week process. It was very quick. So um, that felt like, okay, you know, I've got this agency now. Um, it was a lot of work in a very different way, but took off a lot of that like struggle in the beginning. Um, but I was feeling that as I got into my third year, I would say any scratch agent that I talked to, you know, I'd let them know you're going to feel some relief um, in your third year. That's where it starts to get really good. Well, so if you, so for all those listening out there who are in year one or year two, you only have 12 to 24 months to go. Honestly, I actually just had a phone call right before this with an agent who is in her first, she actually just finished her first year and she's going to wow. step back and not be an agent owner. And um, it's not easy. The fail rate is high, but for those that can get um, pushed through and are just basically stubborn and won't give up, I guess, um, they, the rewards are immense and, and the industry is really great. Um, it's very stable, um, allows for just so much diversity in what you do every day. And it, that's what I love about it because I tend to get really bored in my personality. So I um, that's probably why I actually jumped into the tech side because you really can't get bored there because there's constant innovation. There's always something new to learn. So the industry and insurance does that for you as well, but then you can you know um, bring your agency more into the tech end of it and get a little uh, more advanced in the way that you operate as well. So being a business owner, you know, it's, you don't get bored. There's endless things to keep you busy. <laughs> yeah. And well, and especially in insurance too, I feel like we're the last three or four years, it's been interesting to watch uh, the idea of insurance evolve as like Tesla's gotten into the market and other big companies have, you know, it's, it's you wonder about what insurance is going to look like in you know five to ten years but 
question question one other question and this if 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 this crosses a line you know just say sid hey back off bro it's my first podcast give me a break um what was it like as a woman you know scratch agent you know starting a few years ago what was that part of your journey like did you ever feel that there were uh you know just challenges around that um or roadblocks because you were uh, you know, a woman in the industry, it's, it, if we're being honest, it's a male dominated industry, right? So I think there's this expectation that insurance agent walks, you know, through the door, nice looking guy in his, you know, mid forties with a pep salt, a little salt and pepper and a nice tie. And I'll have a backup plan no matter what. Did you run into anything like that? I mean, um, you know, I may have, but I, I really don't know because I don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. I really, um, you know, if people have a problem with, or or if they're looking specifically for a certain type of agent, um, you know, if they don't find me because of that, then that's fine. There's plenty of customers out there. I have a lot of people who've actually um, looked for female agents. Um, a lot of my customers and a lot of the people that I end up working with are, um, you know, women who are running the finances in their household. And they, I've heard this from many women where they are intimidated by working with a man in a suit and feel, you know, a little talked down to and that kind of stuff in those situations. And um, I'm a mom. I started my agency when my kids were two and three and really wanted to have more time with them. And balancing that has been important. All my staff has had that. We don't have like a strict, um, you know, days out policy because when you have a family, that is your number one priority. Business is second to that. And that's how we run our teams and that's how we have that's our entire view of um, business in general so with that kind of family forward approach you know we attracted young families to our agency and that's what we talk about and that's kind of who we want to work with and I never experienced anybody treating me any differently um, because of that I mean there is things that men will say to a woman that they wouldn't say to a man that is definitely um, something that happens but I I don't know. I just don't focus on it. Um, I don't give it any attention. There's a, a million other things that need my attention and that is not one of them. So, yeah. Hey, I love it. I love the tough skin. Um, and you know, just woman to woman, thank you for continuing to charge forward, making it to your third and beyond years and, um, blazing a trail because you are, you know, I, there, the more women who succeed, the more uh, you know, proof there is that others can do it too. So I just I appreciate all the work and the grind. Whether or not you recognized there were challenges uh, and you know pushed your way. Yeah, through. I was actually at a farmers conference once, um, and they gave out some stats. And actually, statistically, at least within the farmers network, uh, farmers insurance, they women run more successful agencies than our male counterparts. So um, I just took that and was like, oh, we do it better. So I'm just going to do it better. I'm I not love- worry about the rest. <laughs> So that's what we did. First podcast, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, first podcast. That was amazing. Um, all right. So tell me tell me a little bit about, you know, we're turning the Gates insurance diamond here, technology. I know that's been a competitive advantage for you in particular. Um, you were actually a, a huge and impactful voice inside the agency Zoom community when the company was first getting started and as it's matured. Um, it's funny because I reached out to Michelle Helms, who used to run marketing just for Agency Zoom, now runs uh, marketing for Agency Zoom and QQ and another product. Um, and I said, hey, do you know Mariah Gates? And she was like, 
do I know Mariah Gates? Yes, I know Mariah Gates. Everybody knows Mariah Gates. I was like, oh, I don't know how I didn't know about her, but clearly you've made an impact on a lot of people, uh, you know, with just making sure that the product development stays really close to agent needs. And that must mean you're using it and maximizing it. So tell me a little bit about that journey and just your use of technology in the agency. Yeah, um, so I have always loved systems. When I worked at Chase, um, you know, they are basically an industry leader in all things tech in the banking space and one of the largest banks in the world. And they innovate a lot of um, systems and, and conveniences that the rest of the industry uses today. So I came from that and came to Farmers and literally was like, how is Farmers still in business? Like, not that Farmers isn't a great company, but their tech was just way behind, right? So I was always looking to find ways to, you know, make my own systems. Um, I had never really used a CRM like agency Zoom, and I was exposed to it through a marketing program that I had purchased into kind of a coaching plan. And uh, they had said they were kind of looking at it. They had a different CRM that they had recommended us using before that. And I looked at that and I just absolutely did not like it. I'm like, this is weird. I'm not going to use it. I looked at agency Zoom and was just, I saw like the solution to so many of my problems in managing my team, managing my inventory, which is of course our leads and our customers. And, um, and just thought like, this is going to make my life so much easier. But back then, you know, of course, Vertifor did not own agency Zoom and they had a small team and they were, um, you know, had been a few years in. So I, I came to them, they were about three years in business when I started using the platform. And I, by nature, just love giving feedback. I like to improve and make life a little easier to, you know, live and work a little bit easier, especially too. So I was giving um, a lot of feedback and actually apologized for it at one point. I'm like, gosh, I'm sorry. I feel like I'm picking apart this software. I, I'm so sorry. I'm just, you know, if I click here, it would be so much easier if it went there because I was using it every day in my agency. We had five team members at the time and I was building it out. And I, <laughs> Mo at Agency Zoom says, no, we love the feedback. Keep it coming. And I feel really bad for him that he said that because the floodgates just <laughs> opened up and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to share all of my ideas. And he probably was like, I sh he probably regrets that. <laughs> I don't know, but, but he said it and I did it. And, um, so I was, I spent about a year, I, you know, I'd gotten to the other point where in my agency, I wasn't working in it. So most agents I talk to still sell insurance and service customers. And if you want to have a, a successful business, at least in my opinion and my experience, really have to work on the business and not in it. Um, and there's a bunch of books written by people much smarter than me that support all of that theory. So I uh, was allowing my team to work in the business and I was working on it. So I was building out my agency, Zoom, our systems. Actually lost a team member because I was changing things so much and she just didn't like it, okay. but that's fine. I want people on my team who um, are excited with change and, um, and want innovation and to improve. So it was much better for both of us that she decided to go elsewhere. And I was very like set in the fact that this is what we're doing. Um, I even at one point, you know, when it comes to like implementing things in an agency, team members can be resistive. You know, she didn't like change. Other team members were just, you know, used to like using their notepad. You know, they wrote everything on it and I needed them to use the CRM. And so at one point I said, you know, if you don't use the CRM, like you forfeit your commission. And they all used it. That's how like that's how convinced I was that this was 
what we were doing. Yeah. And I was, um, I was fine with losing team members. I knew I could replace them if I needed to, yeah. um, if they weren't going to use the systems, because at the end of the day, by not using the system, it was hurting my business because we weren't capturing the data that we needed to be able to really maximize our leads and service our customers the right way. So it was very um, all in. And um, I like to share in general, it doesn't really matter what it is. I shared um, these little like soap holders that I have in my shower the other day on social media because I just got rid of my soap scum in my bathroom and I was so excited. So with that like personality that I just have, I started sharing Agency Zoom on social media and being just saying how much it was improving things, it was making it easier. We were getting sales from our automation that we didn't even have to like call anybody for and that was amazing to me because sales are not easy to come by. So I was just excited. And through that, people started asking me questions and asking me for help. And I would help where I could. Um, so after doing that for probably like a good six to eight months, um, I was, people were asking me officially, like, can I hire you to help me build my automation? Like, I don't know what to say in my text templates, or I don't know what my sales cadences or workflows should look like. And and they just wanted my kind of proven process that I was using to increase our business. And, you know, I kept saying no, and I don't have time for that. And then Mo at Agency Zoom asked me to help agents. And I told him no, because I didn't have time, kids and the business. And mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, what happened was my, I really wanted, this is just a ridiculous story, but I really wanted a housekeeper. We were actually at the time renting this very large house on property because um, I have horses and stuff. and. And I hated cleaning this really big house. And my husband, I couldn't convince him to like work, like let let us work that into our budget. So I said, well, some of these insurance agents are asking me to help them with their system. What if I charged a small fee and helped them with their system? And if I could make enough money to pay for the housekeeper, can I have a housekeeper? So I was going to pay for it with like my side hustle. And he's, you know, we we agreed that that would work well. Um, And so I kind (laughs) of joke, like I started this business because I was too lazy to clean my house. but I'm, that's just who I am. I'm not Martha Stewart. Like I'm a business owner and yeah. that's, that's my personality. I don't like being a home um, keeper. So anyways, but that led to me testing out my theories and processes on a couple of agents I personally knew and trusted, of course, did all that for free and was just making sure that my approach would translate into other agencies. And that went really well. Um, we didn't advertise. We created a process. It was just me in the beginning. And uh, it was just word of mouth. So I just kind of started saying, hey, if you need help with this, you know, I'm, I'm doing it now, charging a fee and stuff. And I got that, of course, permission from Agency Zoom to be one of their consultants. And it's been um, oh, going on th- three years now. We now have a team of eight. Um, and we actually have to limit the number of agents we help per month because we're having such a hard time keeping up <laughs> um, with the agents we're building the system for and then the training and coaching that we provide them even with outside softwares that integrate you know with agency zoom and, and work well and complement the system so it has been a wild ride but that is how i went from just a user to helping people with agency zoom we've helped like 350 agents so far oh gosh, that's amazing so do you guys set up both the the sales side and the service side for agency zoom um, yeah, so great question. We started with just the sales side because in the beginning of Agency Zoom, that's all there was. Yep. We were a beta tester for the service center. And um, when it first came out, I was like, oh, no, it needs, it's got a long ways to go. So we didn't really use it right away. We've had access to it for probably a year and a half, but Agency Zoom's really only been kind of recommending it for 
well, I don't know, maybe six months or so now. Um, but we are building it. We have five pipelines built and released to our users right now for service. And we have 10 total roadmapped that will launch. And That's we're fantastic. doing about one every week to two weeks, depending on the pipeline that we're launching out. Um, there's just so many more variables with customer service than there is with sales. Mm -hmm. The sales pipeline, you know, the sales process is pretty straightforward. Um, products can vary that a little bit, but when it comes to customer service, there's a lot of variables. So we're trying to make it both easy to use, but also very powerful um, and and also very personalized because we really don't want our customers to know that we're automating service. Mm -hmm. We really want them to feel you know, um, that we're paying that special attention and we're going the extra mile to follow up and check in with them. And that's how we're building the, those service pipelines. That makes sense. That makes sense. I think for me, when I look at Agency Zoom as a tool, sales you know, pipelines have been around for forever. I remember when I first got into, uh, or I should say out of the insurance agency, my dad owns an agency in Florida and I went to work for the big guy. Um, and then went to work for a lead generator. When I was at the lead generator, I met a guy who was in his early 50s and he had been selling sales pipelines for insurance agencies back like 20 years. So it's the, you know that's not a new concept. I think some of the ways like with SmartCycle, the agency Zoom, some of the features are different, but that service pipeline, like that's what to me takes agency Zoom from a, a pipe drive like tool or a sales pipeline tool with some automation into more of a full-blown insurance CRM, where you can look at this huge expense in your agency, which is your your service team, and say, how, you know, what what's the output? What's the experience I'm giving? And is it actually improving retention? And then can I create more margin in that department, right? Mm -hmm. Can I measure the cost of sending a certificate? Like ultimately, I would love for Agency Zoom to get there. I know right now it's just the pipelines and the automation, but ultimately the ability to track and measure efficiency and service uh, and performance and service is something the independent world has never had before. It's just kind of like, well, yeah, here's your account manager and here's some accounts and good luck. And I guess we'll talk about a raise at the end of the year and that's it. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it does. It does some of that already. We've really um, spent a lot of time diving into like the service categories, the resolution types, um, the urgency types because there's reporting in there. And then by, by segmenting out the service tickets based on different pipelines, those reports follow pipelines. So our goal is to be able to really grab data and say, you know, we know that a 40 hour, you know, service um, representative can handle or is handling this many tickets per month. And, you know, for example, there's, um, there's a lot of agents out there getting their own insurance agency apps like Loveblox and things like that. And you can actually see in those reports when you're using Service Center fully in your agency, how many ID cards did we send out? Well, how long does that take you to grab the ID card, download it, text it, or email it, and decide, you know, based on those hourly rates, is that worth it? Or should we get an app that we push people to when they ask for the ID card? So that's what I love about Service Center. Not only does it allow us to do a lot more follow-up, like for example, with claims, when we have a claim in, you know, I really want them to have just this wonderful VIP experience because that's what they pay for is their claim experience. And that can vary carry to carrier to carrier, but we need them to feel that service from us. And our system stays in contact with them. I mean, it plugs in the name of their adjuster. So it's asking like, hey, did you hear from Susan? So it's specific, you know, it's very customized and, you know, they can respond back. Yeah, I heard from her or no, I haven't. And then we know we need to step in. So it allows my team to focus on 
things that drive in more profit, um, you know, and um, activity in the agency. But our customers feel this really high level service that we couldn't otherwise like really even afford the manpower for that, right? You only have so much revenue and margin in your agency and you need to be smart with that when it comes to the service team. So we love that it gives customers much better service than we could provide without it. <laughs> and it's giving me data. Um, I don't have enough of it yet to really like boil down and say, hey, this is, you know, a really efficient customer service rep. This one's someone who's maybe not as efficient and needs more support, but it does let us see how much they're doing, um, how long it takes. It tracks the length of the tickets as well as we can survey our clients at the end of that. So it's not a Google review or a Yelp review, but it is an internal review of how happy were you with that um, experience. We can use then use that to train our staff as well. Man. So it's a pretty cool piece. Yeah, that is really cool. For those of you guys listening, um, what you know what, let's save that for the end. You have to finish listening to the ChatGBT stuff. Then we'll tell you how to contact Mariah about setting up all these cool automations and driving performance in your agency through a tool like Agency Zoom. So let's get into ChatGBT because this is your newest venture. Clearly, you have a lot of experience both in insurance and in insure tech. Now you're mm-hmm. experimenting with this new technology uh, that is described as like AI generated content. Um, is a tool that was created by a company called OpenAI. It's currently free, although I heard they have a premium version. Um, mm-hmm. In two months, I heard that, or read rather, that uh, post-launch, they had as many users as Instagram had in nine months post-launch. So this tool has been uh, <laughs> widely adopted in almost like a frenzied, chaotic way. I mean, my team members and I are talking about it and how to use it from a marketing perspective. Um, We've experimented with it. Uh, I think what's interesting with this tool is you kind of have two camps of people. One is, I would never use that. That scares the living daylights out of me. And I think we're going to be in a Will Smith world where robots take over the world if if myself or my family ever gets near it. And then you have the other camp that says, don't really know what this is, but I'm curious and intrigued and I'm, I'm going to research it and try it out. And, you know, you seem to be in that uh, latter camp. Do you think that the former camp has any justification for being fearful? <laughs> um, I would say I'm in definitely right in the middle. So oh. AI scares the socks off of me. There mm-hmm. are so many like potential things that this can do that can go very self with. And while I, I, I would say in this, you know, I'm gonna, I don't know, hopefully this doesn't get controversial, but I agree with Elon Musk in that we need a lot of regulation around this. Yeah. And I don't like regulation in general, I prefer that the government let me just run my business the way I wanna run it. But um, this has a lot of kind of crazy applications and ChatGPT is just the tip of the sword. So I don't know if you've seen any of the um, video-based AI. There's also oh, yeah. uh, AI that actually you can record yourself and your face and your voice, and it will it'll mimic it and really? uh, actually repeat out your voice. It, it records and creates your voice, and then you can type a script and it sounds like you saying it. So there's some really scary like um, potential applications here. But I am in the area of I um, know that we're not going to stop it. Yeah. 
nobody's going to stop this stuff from being created. Hopefully there's some government intervention and we make sure that it's not used incorrectly um, or in a harmful way. But I also see, you know, that this great potential in um, just continuing to make people's lives easier, being able to bring a lot of value. You know, I've heard um, ChatGPT kind of described as like a brain that has read every book, has read every article, you know, knows every bit of history and it's just, it's retrievable in a blink of an eye. It's like Google, but much better because you can actually have a conversation with it, um, which is really crazy. So I've used it um, for creating marketing. I've used it in a few different ways and I'm still learning how to use it. It does a lot of stuff that um, sometimes it's, I mean, you can actually even ask it, like, what can you do for me? And you can, it'll teach you how to use it. It's really crazy. So definitely warranted to be a little scared. Um, but if it's if you're not going to be able to stop it and it can improve your life, why not jump on and learn how it works? You know, sometimes it can be as simple as I saw an example where somebody said, "Act like a personal trainer. Write me a diet and exercise plan to lose ten pounds in three months," and like it wrote it out. Wow. So I mean, that's cool. That yeah. that improves your life. That's easier, right? Yeah. Um, and it's pulling all this data from medical journals and from exercise. You know, all the, all of these different resources that would take us a lot longer to research on our own. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think you're right. I did a little bit of research before we hopped on. I could tell you've done more than I have, but you know, some of the things that were interesting to me were, um, you know, one, I think you've seen some fear around in the collegiate space. So people going and cheating on essays that they have to write or something, you know, how does a professor know whether this this paper was written by a student and can grade it honestly and authentically, or whether it's written by a you know some machine somewhere? Um, and I think that ultimately gets to the conversation around like, man, are we replacing human intelligence and ultimately eliminating the need for copywriters and you know thought like independent thought, which is a scary thing. I think from a you know bad actor standpoint, there's also been people going on and using it to write malware. So whereas you know coding malware was harder to do because you had to know how to code and how to hack and you know now it's kind of lowered the barrier to entry for those bad actors and so you've made it easier to write the code, you've made it easier to implement the code. Now are we going to have more people trying to hack systems, right? Does that, that's kind of a scary thought. Um, and then what was also interesting, <laughs> this is just a weird one, was people are using it um, to have conversations. So like some of the inputs were where they'd ask, you know, like, hey, what food should I get today? You know, where it's like, what, why would you, why would you ask a system that? You know, why don't you what, like, have a conversation with a human versus like going to, you know, what should I do today or right it's just kind of a weird I think of the movie her I don't know if you've ever seen that with Joaquin Phoenix where he's I haven't seen that one huh? okay just for those of you guys have seen it, it's it's just this weird movie where he uh had his his uh almost like alter ego becomes this artificial intelligence that's with him all the time so it's like on his phone in his house and he can converse with it and it just isolates him from the rest of the world which is kind of a scary thought so i think you're right i think the hard part is it's really how it's used there's nothing inherently evil about the technology just like social media right 
it's you've got to have some sort of protective measurement because unfortunately we live in a broken world where people are going to use it in in bad ways so i i'm and, and that's going to be true of anything though like when we talk about tech or we talk about ai or whatever it is and we think about it back in the day you know we you see the movie you know catch catch me if you can right where he's just doing check fraud all over the world yes. and yes. stealing money and yes you know today we tell people like don't write checks your routing number your account number your signature your check sequence number your address there's so much information and anyone can pick that up it's much harder to hack into your bank account because there's firewalls and security um so you know, opportunity for the bad actors just continues to change as life goes on. Um, you know, uh, there's so many examples of that, but this isn't going to be any different. Mm -hmm. um, technology in general can be um, manipulated and and really anything can be used incorrectly. I mean, I mean, even the cars we drive, right? You can have bad intentions and use a car to hurt a lot of people, or you can just drive to work. <laughs> so it's it's no different than anything else we have. That's why we have to you know, manage it and um, control it as individuals and make sure that it's not used improperly. But for those people who are scared of it, you know, things will change. Like there was an example, um, uh, a gal uh, that I follow on social media, she was talking about, uh, you know, if you can if you can clone a voice, you know, people take advantage of the elderly and call and say, you know, I'm grandma, I'm in jail, you know, send me money. That could happen, but families will evolve to have passwords, mm -hmm. right? They'll have, passwords what's the password granddaughter mm. oh you don't have it all right well then you just you know it's fraud so things will you know we will adjust as um, individuals to learn when email came out you know we had phishing emails I mean, that's still a thing but you learn what to look for the the fonts you learn you know to look at the the um, sender's email address and the email signature you know how to verify it and what information you will or will not provide via email this isn't going to be any different we just have to adapt and educate people so they know the risks yeah absolutely okay so having addressed the you know fear-based reaction in terms of how we can use it productively and and really specifically in insurance because i think mm -hmm. there's a lot of use cases especially in marketing for copy and the it was called dal e i think was made by also by this company OpenAI, which is this text to image generator and you can you know, say unicorns on clouds eating ice cream cones, and it will literally give you a picture of unicorns on clouds eating oh. ice cream cones, and it didn't exist before you typed it into the system. It's crazy. Um, there's a lot of, you know, creative ways for it to be used, but I know you are starting to experiment with it in your agency or think about that. How, how are you thinking about using it? Yeah, so there's so many things that we're always working on, and um, and I just start playing with it as I have a task that comes up that is going to maybe be time consuming or require a lot of creativity. Um, so I first, the first thing I did was like write an email um, to explain why insurance rates are going up because <laughs> that's happening all across the country, right? And I'm like, I can only explain it so many ways and I feel like I'm out of ideas, right? Because you just explain it and explain it. I've been an agent for nine years. So you kind of start running out of ways to say things. And so I just was like, I wonder what ChatGPT will say. And it popped out a bunch of information. Um, it was, this was new when it first kind of launched. And so I kind of verified because, you know, they were making, we wanted to make sure that the information was accurate. Yep. And I was like, wow, this is cool. I like this phrase or I like this term. And so I, and then I could would tell it, you know, 
because um, in that situation, I asked for an email and it wrote this very long email. I'm like, okay, well, my customer's attention span is not that long, so I need a shorter version. And I would actually, when I first started using ChatGPT, I would tell it please, because I'm a pretty polite person most of the time. So I would like, please shorten that email. And then I'm like, wait, it's AI. I don't have to say please. Like, shorten the email. You know, I can be a little bit more like instruction-based. It's kind of funny. So, um, so I asked it to shorten it and it made, you know, like one paragraph and it was very to the point about why rates are going up and why it's across the country and all and all, all carriers and i was like wow that was really fast this would have taken me so much longer to sit down and think about so that was the first area where i found it valuable um and then from there i just kind of started playing with it i needed to create some content for my facebook or my agency facebook to post um, i use a software to schedule out the posts and i usually just sit down and kind of take a couple of days and um, create a whole bunch of that and I found a picture that I was like, I want to explain this. And so I wanted to explain what a family goes through when um, their house catches on fire, like what that's like. And so I asked ChatGPT to do it and then I posted it. And I was actually shocked that that post got a lot of engagement. I've asked ChatGPT to write um, a funny poem about sewer and drain coverage. And it did it and I posted it and people thought it was really clever. And I'm like, it is clever. I'm not that clever, but this AI is, it was really interesting. Um, actually, I, right before this podcast, I actually asked chat GPT. I just said, how can you help me in my insurance agency? And it listed out six reasons, like six wow. things it can do. Huh. And then one of them was engaging with clients on your website through like a chatbot. And I was like, well, I don't know how to do an API chatbot integration. How do I do it? Bang, here's the instructions to follow. And even a couple bot software recommendations. Um, right now in my agency, I am hiring and training more staff members. So I said, act like a trainer and teach my insurance producer about auto insurance. Huge, you know, huge chunk of information, examples of accidents, coverage descriptions, I said, now teach the producer about home insurance, bang, there's a whole section of it. So I can use it to create a training library that I can put new staff in front of um, as well. So, I mean, I've not found the limitations yet. I needed some like protect, pretend test stuff for my agency Zoom test account where we teach agents how to use it, but we don't want to use like live client, client data, obviously for security. So I asked it to generate like a lead list of random names, birthdays, phone numbers, addresses, um, and email addresses that are just fake. And it created this whole list and I just popped it into an Excel and then uploaded it into my agency Zoom. So it saved me, I don't know, probably 20 hours worth of work just from you know having to sit there and type it all out and try to make all these fake leads for training. And it was done in maybe five minutes. That's insane. Um, it's, a, it's crazy and I'm just scratching the surface. I know I can do a lot more. Yeah. It's almost like you've compared it to Google before, and it is this weird combination of search because you're asking it questions, asking mm -hmm. it to do things, but search if Google, if Google really was a human being and had all these different skill sets, right, and could do things for you, not just give you answers. It's like, do you think mm -hmm. it'll ever replace Google? I probably use it more now than Google. Really? Um, so maybe it's already replacing it for me a little bit. I actually downloaded oh. it on my cell phone too and started using it. But if I, I definitely use Google to find, um, probably just to find more like businesses and things like that. But I, I could see that happening. I could maybe see even the two trying to create some kind of super search engine, you know, powered by ChatGPT or something similar. 
who knows what that will look like in the future, but it has a lot of the same features. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I'm one of those weird people who uses Bing sometimes. So I hate me for it, whatever. I get so much shade from my team for it. Uh, but Bing just did an integration with ChatGBT. So now you've got both on one. You've got the search engine plus that. I know Google uh, or uh, Salesforce has, you know, a ChatGBT feature with their Einstein AI. Um, so they've kind of opened up. It's called like Einstein GBT. They're advertising for it on their website. Um, you know, Salesforce is in it as a CRM. Um, I think Snapchat did an integration. I know JP Morgan Chase actually, uh, they, oh, you know what? I think they actually banned it. <laughs> so it's probably, it's anyways. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I know Microsoft did an integration into Teams uh, Premium. Mm -hmm. So, and they've also invested in the tool. So to your point, this thing's not going away. If anything, it's getting stronger. Um, so, well, I, I appreciate you coming on and sharing. If somebody, if there's an agency who wants to, two questions. If there's an agency who wants to uh, experiment with ChatGBT, uh, how, how do they get started with that? And then if there's an agency who listened and said, man, I wanna you know, notch things up with my sales automation, my service automation, streamline workflows, and they really wanna work with you, where would they go? Uh, yeah, so for ChatGPT, the website is just openai.com. You go there and you can download it. There is a free version, um, and then there's a paid version. The paid version I have now because I use it so much, and it's $20 a month. Um, just expect that to go up. And this is just going to continue to get better. I think it's already on its fourth version since launch. Um, so it's they're improving it like crazy. But um, the difference between that, just for anyone you know who isn't sure what they should do, is it does get overloaded because the user volume is so high. So the system will get overloaded. And if you were on the free version, then you guys are, you know, th those are kind of some of the first users to get kicked off and it'll just say it's unavailable right now. And that happened to me quite a bit when I was using the free one. And then the paid version is they're just gonna prioritize you. So um, if you're, if it's overloaded, you could still potentially not be able to use it for a little while if it's really overloaded, but you would be the first one like let into the tool when the, the um, capacity is there. And uh, you get the new updates as well, which is really handy. So that's kind of the differences and how you can use it. And um, there, you can go to YouTube and you can listen to a ton of videos on commands. Using ChatGPT well is really about learning how to command it and what to ask and how to frame the questions. And that's kind of what I'll do. I mean, people are you know spending a lot more time on this than I am out there because I've you know the agency and stuff. But uh, I just started listening to videos and learning about those commands, things like act like a doctor or act like an insurance agent. You know, that's just one example. There's a lot of commands like that. Um, as far as reaching me, so my uh, website is pretty simple. It's agencyzoomautomation.com. So we just plugged automation onto the end of that, uh, of course, with their permission. And, and that's how you can find me. Um, we have eight team members right now um, doing various things, training, uh, building out the accounts as well, and um, helping with kind of like data transfer and stuff like that. Some of that depending on the company or what has to be done manually. So we have a team for that as well. Um, Right now, as of this date, we're limiting it to 30 agents a month because we can't handle more than that. We're hiring more people and trying to keep up. And uh, we will also, you'll also very soon be able to find us on the Vertifor Orange Partner Program. So we are moving through that. We've been approved awesome. for it. Awesome. Um, so we'll be getting on that list. You'll be able to find us there as that resource as well. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mariah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I appreciate you 
honestly experimenting with some of this stuff <laughs> and taking things to the next level with Agency Zoom and then being willing to share your knowledge and help move others forward too. So um, hopefully we'll have you back on maybe when ChatGBT's integrated with some other things. You know, hint, hint, we don't know, maybe, I don't know. I might even talk to Mo. Anyways, all right. Um, with that, guys, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, which hopefully you're watching right now. And if you haven't clicked that subscribe button, you absolutely should smack it. Um, if you'd prefer the audio version and you're listening to me serenade you with Mariah today, then make sure that you subscribe to that as well. Uh, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever your favorite, you know, your cup of tea is. We got you covered. And with that, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. We've got debates on CRMs versus AMS, uh, you know, uh, uncovering the hood on the future of the midsize market with our VP of, uh, of our of the mid-sized market who runs all the solutions agency zoom qq ams 360 pl raider commercial submissions uh dana pascali and a bunch of other episodes so stay tuned for more if you haven't yet been to austin texas between may 7th to the 10th consider this your official invitation accelerate is the largest gathering of vertifor users from around the country and no matter if you're looking to be challenged by hearing the stories of successful owners who did things a bit differently, see cutting edge solutions thanks to the implosion of the InsureTech ecosystem, or learn how you can maximize your current Vertifor tech stack. Accelerate has it all. So go to accelerate.netview.org, put it in your phone, put it in your computer, wherever you are, accelerate.netview.org, grab your ticket and join us in the live music capital 